Blog Talk Radio. with stories about people 
in a community, maybe a community near you, that you won't find any place else to hear. Thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to it, and I'm very thankful to be able to provide this to you. Well, as I mentioned at the top of the show, our topic today is Nevada Partners Community Garden Restoration Project and Radicalizing America. Sort of two shows, two segments, different ends of the spectrum. One is about life, because the garden is about life, bringing forth new life and plants that ultimately become nourishment for us humans as well as animals. And those animals become food for us as well as those plants. And it nourishes us and it keeps us alive. And then we have radicalizing Americans. It often is about death and destruction. Our country has come such a long ways in my lifetime. From building the World Trade Center Towers, actually known as the Twin Towers in Manhattan, to watching those towers fall down after a terrorist attack of airplanes. To see a war start in Iraq, even though those terrorists who put those buildings down were from Afghanistan. To see in the war end in Iraq that we have to go right back to try to fight the terrorists on their own land, trying to prevent them from entering our land, and now finding that our people are becoming the terrorists that we have to protect ourselves from. In my lifetime, America has come such a long way. I guess the real question for us, is this, is this direction that we will continue to go or are we ready to do the things necessary to stem the tide of dysfunction in our country that would lead to those born here to turn against their fellow citizens? Kind of a heavy topic, huh? I can only think about those families who are grieving today and know that this is, they have heavy hearts. Well, we're going to try to touch on these two topics a little bit later as we talk about some of the other happenings in the news. And as many of you know, this show could not happen on its own. It definitely needs support and help. And in my case, it was with my co-host, the one and only, Mrs. Angela Thomas. Welcome to the show, Angela. Hey, Rodney. Happy Saturday to you and all the listeners. Thank you. I'm going to make it a happy Saturday because I still have right? life. Because we're here. Yep. Well, Angela, I know you're one that keeps up with the news and always has things going on. What's happened in Angela's world? Uh, graduation season. Uh, I have a few graduations in my life right now, and I'm preparing to go celebrate uh, my younger brother achieving the goal of obtaining his master's. So, you know, a few secret missions going on, and, you know, he's the baby, so 
you know, he always gonna be the baby. So we all we're all putting things together. Got committees doing this. We we got a secret mission or two going on, and you know, we're just gonna uplift him and celebrate him because it was a great undertaking, and he's graduating with honors, and all right, we're now. happy to see that. You know, all those days of keeping him out of mischief paid off. <laughs> He's a wonderful father, great brother, uh, wonderful husband, and now he's a graduate. With he's mastered something officially. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is great news, and it's good to know that even though in times of despair in this country, there's still plenty of reason to give thanks for the wonders that this country still has to offer, and there are many. Yeah, education and um, what it can do to transform your life is is definitely one of those things. And, you know, with my brother graduating with his master's, it plants a seed. And now he's getting to see nieces and nephews stepping up to the plate to get, to, to get their master's. So we have uh, several family members entering master's programs. And, you know, hopefully we'll be like you guys one day, Rodney, and get some PhDs up in the family. <laughs> well, it is just a matter of time and will. That is what it takes. Yeah, it is. It is. So, you know, I was just happy to, to celebrate him and happy to see the young people coming up behind us, uh, getting education earlier, you know, a lot lot younger than we were, and with a lot less responsibility, you know, only having to deal with themselves and and what their goals are. So it's a beautiful thing with husbands, without you know, without wives, with and without spouses. But it's just happy to see them achieving um, their goals. Well, yes, it is. Well, you know, there's uh, yesterday, and for those who are regular listeners, you know that we have a community gathering uh, at the Westside Bistro inside of Nevada Partners. And most of the time, but not all the time, it is people who I guess you could say are middle-aged or older. And yesterday we had some folks who, well, had not made it to middle age yet. And uh, he's uh, fairly new in the community, uh, a musician, producer, and he came out to our community gathering. I'd met him Thursday night at the Black Business uh, uh, the Black Business Networking event, and that was at City Lights. And I invited him to the gathering and gave him the information, and he says he would try to make it. And while I was at the gathering, I looked up, and there he was walking through the door. And I was so happy that he came. Yeah, but I was even it's more always good when young people come to the table. But not only did he come, but he participated. Yeah, and that that's true. Just made for a wonderful experience. And yep. you know, Angela, I know you had a young person there. What did you think about having the a young person, younger people there? And how, how does it how does it impact us? Um. I'm always encouraged when young people come to the table, and we've had a few. Um, 
I'm always excited when they come to the table because, you know, the gathering is wonderful and not on, not what I, I would not ever suggest that everybody that sits at that table agrees and we're one big harmonious group, but we are of a certain age group, I would say, 30 and up. So when someone under 30 comes to the table, uh, it's it's a blessing because we get to see the world through their experience. And he was, he's in the music business, the young man that came to the table yesterday, and, you know, he's, he's, I just want, I was happy to be able to share some of my experiences with him and to impress upon him at this early juncture in his music career to take the product seriously. But I also understood, you know, I was in a conversation um, the day before the gathering, and it it is just it just impressed upon me how much pop culture. Um, makes an impact on our an impression on our um on our lives. Uh, I shared with him a story about working on the song uh Can You Pay My Bills, which was done by Destiny's Child, but it was written by two black women, Candy Burris and uh Tiny Harris. And it's always interesting to hear what people's takeaway from a song is and you know, that's a I kind of an iconic song um, as far as talking about uh, relationships or concern. You know, that 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 was the 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 heir apparent to Janet Jackson's What Have You Done For Me Lately, I guess, in a lot of ways. We like to quote those two songs a lot. And, you know, it's just interesting it was interesting to uh, share those stories with him and share um, the fact that once art leaves its studio or wherever it's created, it's a blessing and a curse to see sometimes what the impressions are, what 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 the impression is that the artist leaving on a person uh, and their experience with with the work. So what do I what do I get or what what do I what was the last part of your question, Rodney? Well really is how how does this having these young people around us, how does it impact the conversation? How does it how does it impact us with them being there? Oh, it impacts us because we're armed with information. A lot of times we're making presumptions about um what young people today think, feel, and do. And it's always, always great to have someone, not to speak for the whole generation or all black people or all, you know, whatever your whatever your banner is. You're not at the table speaking for everyone. You're speaking from your perspective. We understand that. But it's always good to not be presuming. And putting our impression of what they're doing out there, to hear it directly from the horse's mouth, per se, and to be a young black male from Chicago and, you know, 
his impression of the school system, his experience with the school system, those are voices that are valuable and needed. We need to hear it because if we don't start to um, hear them out, they they already checked out, if you ask me, as far as us. They, they've checked out in a lot of ways. They, they feel like we are stuck in our ways, we're not listening, and we're not willing to work with them towards changing the world into what they need it to be because they next up to bat. Let's face it, we on the downside of our hill, Rodney. <laughs> We're getting older, and, and let's face it, you get older, you get slower, you know, things get a little less pressing, and that's just a fact of life. So we really well, have to be about no the doubt. business of, of fixing it for them to, to, to step up to the mantle. Well, it is no doubt that I am definitely not the person that I used to be because I was in the gym uh Wednesday, this is getting the real Saturday, facts, huh? <laughs> and I'm still feeling Wednesday, so oh yeah, yes, uh, it, it does make a difference. I mean, I, what I one of the things I enjoyed is one that that he came because there's a lot of things that a young person could do other than come to a lunch with predominantly middle-aged folks. But the bunch old heads. He, the fact that he came out. Uh, took, the, took his time to listen, see what was going on, sort of get the lay of the land, and then was uh, ready to chime in, unprompted. And maybe the most rewarding part of it was at the end when he came over and asked if he could bring friends. And wow. that was sort of like the community gardening project that I attended this morning. It was like a seed was planted, and from that seed, him being the first sprout, the first plant, so to speak, who came out, and then from him reaching out to others to bring them in. That's that's sort of like farming or, or gardening, and that kind of came to me this morning while I was out at uh, the community garden. So I hope that he does come back. I hope that he does play I hope they invite the friends, and hopefully, and I hope they those come. friends will come out. Yes. Yeah, I hope they so come out. I'm really looking forward to, uh, to that. And we just had a robust conversation. We touched on uh, our topics today as far as the radicalization of, of Americans. We uh, The question was posed, should we teach nationalism of some type? In our schools, uh, we, we we talked about that for a little while. We, as Andrew said, we talked about the impact of all media, with an emphasis on social media, how it's impacting our young people and how those who would war against us are using it to radicalize our young people. And there were some suggestions that maybe we can use it just like those who have declared war on us use it to impact young people that maybe we should consider using it to impact young people in a different direction. Uh, Hence the discussion of teaching nationalism. Someone says it shouldn't just be schools, it should be uh, everywhere. 
And maybe so. You know, what do you all think about that? Should we teach nationalism and we can debate, discuss what form of nationalism, or should we teach a form of nationalism in our schools? 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600. would love to hear what you all think about that. Uh, should we teach nationalism in our schools? Well, that was it had been an interesting topic at the gas. We also had an opportunity to go down Thursday to visit the Army's National Training Center. How did that go? I was at, uh, it was uh, their very gracious host. Uh, it was basically people Always, from the community yeah. who mm-hmm. were asked that they would like to have a tour of the uh, Army National Training Center at Fort Irwin. We had people representing UNLV, CSN, uh, Nevada Partners. Uh, we had uh, and other folks. Uh, we had Blue Star Mob to come down with us, who also had one Gold Star Mob with them. And for those of you who may not know about Blue Star and Gold Star Moms, hopefully we'll get them on the show soon. Blue Star Moms are mothers who have children in the service or who have served. Gold Star Moms are mothers whose child has made the ultimate sacrifice while they were in the military, while they were serving in the military. And we had one Gold Star Mom with us Thursday. And she told the story of her son who made that sacrifice in the theater in the Middle East, and he was... It was early on, and he was riding in a a Hummer or Humvee that uh, ran across in an IED, and it exploded, and he made the ultimate sacrifice. So it was really an honor to take this trip and to hear the story of her son. Now, as we're taking the trip down, we had no idea that once we got onto the post and made it into our first stop, which was in the dining hall, that we would find out that there had been a terrorist-styled attack at one of our recruiting centers. And I was actually, we were guests of the Army Recruiting Command. And to hear that it was recruiters that had been shot, of course, it, you know, there was shooting. It got our attention. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, everyone there was, you know, gathered around the TV, taking in this news that hadn't heard it already. And we were riding down, so uh, we had not heard it. It was the first time for us hearing it. And, of yeah. course, it was, you know, we were all saddened. On the way back, I had a chance to talk with some recruiters, and I asked them how did they how did they protect themselves? And they said that oftentimes they may have a some type of weapon in their vehicle, but they're not authorized to bring it into their workspace as a recruiter. So one of the questions that I asked those of us who were in the in the van was would we support 
military recruiters, when in uniform or at their place of work in the recruiting station, carrying a service revolver or a service weapon. And it was unanimous. Now, that was probably a biased audience, but in that group, it was unanimous because they need to have some way to defend themselves. Standard protocol is pretty much duck, cover, and run if you can. Well, what happens when you're not able to run? And at the gathering yesterday, we talked about, you know, we were asked the same question, and there were some mixed, you know, mixed comments, and in a larger group, of course, you would expect that. Uh, some people even suggested, well, maybe the service members shouldn't wear their uniform when they're recruiting. And then other people said, well, what attracted me to this service was the uniform. And we know that uh, the uniforms, especially the Marine uh, uniform, signifies and, and you know causes a certain type of emotion when people see it. And then some people, you know, thought, well, yeah, but if you have American military armed in America, <coughs> what type of message does that send? And that's a valid point. But the overall consensus, even though there were mixed uh, feelings and comments about it, was that, yes, our recruiters went on duty, specifically in uniform, to and from their place of work. Our government or whoever is responsible needs to relook the whatever regulation or statute that governs this. And we believe that our military recruiters should have a service weapon while on duty or going to and from duty. So 347-826-9600, kind of curious, what do you all think about that? Should our military recruiters be armed when performing their official duties? Now, Angela, what was your take on that? My take on that was that we have to fight this this war, and I do believe this is unlike any war we've had to fight because, as I remember, I don't remember uh, us being in in combat and it coming back on the, on on our shores in any type of way. Really, um, we have to fight this war differently. We have to begin to think about how this um, how this war is being fought and if it's going to serve to keep the recruiting officers safer and able to um, ac- utilize some of their training to defend their life, I'm for that. If if that means that we have to take those recruiting officers out of uniform and think of another way to attract people to service to the uniform um, without putting um, that valuable human capital in jeopardy, 
we 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 have to consider that my my first and foremost thought is i support them in whatever they deem necessary to do the job that they're doing i i support it i would first want to hear from the other recruiting uh officers and i want to i want to do what they want to do first and foremost but if it's going to and and secondly i want to do whatever's going to keep them safe there's no rhyme or reason why a person can be a two per uh, uh, two, one of the victims that failed Thursday has two Purple Hearts and has been deployed many times, more than once, and he 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 obviously served well. He has two Purple Hearts. There's no way that he should come home and lose his life. So I'm for whatever's going to keep us safe and keep us ahead a couple of steps of what we have to do to deal with ISIS and Al-Qaeda and just this new type of threat we're facing. But I also, you know, understand that how terrorism works. They want to eat away. You know, when when 9-11 happened, that was the that was the the. the the shot across the bow. They want to take away and slowly chisel away at your sense of security. They want you to be afraid and cowardice in your homes and, you know, not talking to each other, functioning in fear. That's what they want. Tough in a country that sort of House it's, it's freedom, and when things like this happen, some of the things that we have to do to defend ourselves inherently takes away from those freedoms that we tout so much. Um, one of the things that is our military men, we law enforcement can carry their weapons on the street, but we don't like seeing our military carrying weapons on the street because it takes us back to a time when it was a government that would oppress the people in other countries, and that was something we didn't want here. But in order to safeguard the people, we're almost seeing it where maybe it's not our military, but it's our paramilitary police transformation that is happening right around us. Mm-hmm. So it is having an impact on our way of life, whether we want to, whether we want it to. Acknowledge that or not, yeah. And it is eroding some of the freedoms that we used to have. Uh, I mean, you know, we can all use the the number one stereotype, and that's going to the airport. And what you have to do now for security, if you look at the cost associated with just the creation of the Department of Homeland Security alone, that was an extent that 30 years ago, no one was considering that. 30 years ago, not that long, a few decades. And now we have the Department of Homeland Security and all that it does. Uh, When we look at, uh, you know, we've had the cybersecurity brief. And now that sort of puts us all, I think, the the phrase that experts have is either you have been hacked 
you are being hacked or you will be hacked. That's all, that's, there's no wiggle room. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, there's no... There's, that's it. It is what it is, as the young people would say. And we have to... You know, I was watching um, Super Soul Sunday a, a few weeks back, and she had the creator of mindfulness. She was having a conversation, and the gentleman's name escapes me right now, but um, the whole movement of mindfulness is about not dealing, 99.9% of us deal with life as we like it to be or how, what, whatever was going on that, that didn't quite meet your mark. Um, so you, you, you think of things, the norm now is to think of things as if you would, as, as, as you would like them to be or, you know, worrying about something that didn't go as you thought it should have. But we spend so little time thinking about and being present in where things are right now, dealing with the fact of the matter, as my grandmother would say. This is the fact of the matter. Two plus two is four. We we spend so little time dealing with things in that manner. And I do think that we need to get mindful and maybe maybe we need to start teaching nationalism and mindfulness in school. Um so that uh we are doing the business of now, in the business of now, and, and helping. That would help us to be ready to shift gears a lot quicker than we already do. We don't have to change our so ways. It's definitely a new age that we're in, and the way that we used to think about things. You know, we're typically slow to change our thoughts. This is one that we're definitely going to have to pick up the pace to try to get ahead of it because it is moving at a rapid pace. Uh, I was told by uh, one of our leading security experts in the nation that America's biggest threat is the radicalization of young Americans. It's a national security issue. And when I heard that, I definitely believed it because one of the fears I have had for years, and I I say fear more than concern because it started out as a concern, but it became a fear. And that was what what would happen if I disaffected you, those people who feel marginalized, subjugated, and cut off from mainstream America, were approached by an outside entity, with that separation that they feel, lead mm-hmm. them to committing terrorist acts against this nation. I've gone so far, and I do want to make sure that it's on record today, that racism in America is a threat to national security because it may just lead people on either side of the argument to be lulled into a sense of family 
with others outside of this country who feel that America has oppressed and subjugated them. That is something that I believe can happen in this country. So, yes, I do believe racism is a national security issue that needs to be addressed more urgently than ever. And I thought it was paramount before. Absolutely. Uh, the gentleman I was speaking of that was talking with, with Oprah, his name is John Cabet Zinn. Zinn. Z-I-N-N, and he's the um, founder and creator of mindfulness. And, you know, often since I heard his uh, his explanation and his conversation with, with, with his conversation with Oprah and them explaining and breaking down uh, mindfulness, this is something that's being used um, a lot of places to help cancer patients and all sorts of things, and it is being used... Um, in or you know organizations to help uh leadership make more impactful uh decisions and make more Im- impactful plans on how to uh lead organizations so we we definitely got to be more mindful these days well once again, this is Our Own Voices Live. This is Rodney Smith. I'm Angela Thomas. And we're Our bringing you another edition of Our Own Voices Live. Today's topic is we're talking about the radicalizing Americans and a Nevada Partners Community Gardens Restoration Project. And I decided to talk about the restoration project on the second half of our show as so we could spend some time on this radicalizing of Americans. And I don't know if you heard, but not only was there the four Marines that was initially listed, but there was a naval uh, seaman who was uh, injured in the attack. And I, I believe the report this morning is he has since gone on. So the oh, total of deaths so by the Terrorist Act has risen to uh, five. Wow. No, I hadn't heard that this this morning. Ah, oh, man, you just—it just pains, pains you, in every attack, domestic or dealing with uh, what what is now thought of as the more traditional terrorist um, fighting we're doing these days. I mean, we're just barely four weeks out from the Mother Emanuel attack. Um, which is not ISIS, but it is domestic terrorism. And now we're moving into grieving the loss of of these fine young folks um, in Tennessee. Are we going to be in a perpetual state of of national uh, grieving? You know, Andrew, that's such a good question because when I was playing, when the when the show opened up with Pat, I was thinking, is this going to be the the standard theme music for the show now? Because, like most many things, many folks hear me talk about the theory of gradualism is that usually there's one, then there's two, then there's four, sixteen, 
64, and it just the number continues to increase. Mm-hmm. There is nothing in place yet to stem the tide of radicalizing Americans. There's nothing there. So that tells me that there will be more, unfortunately, more acts of terror by people who were born in this country. What can we do about this instead of relying on um, systems and structures in place? You know, it's a big system, it's a big structure, and it just takes time to get things. It takes time to get things moving in the next direction. And you know, it's a wonderful kind of. It doesn't seem like it's connected, but it is connected. It's a wonderful segue to a project like the revitalization of the uh, community garden um, to have opportunity to to have audience with one another and to do something as vital as growing food for the community. Um, it, it Like the gathering every Friday, I find that if you are able to have a conversation, even if you disagree, I mean, we have Republicans come to the table, we have uh, women, we have atheists, we have... Christians, we have Catholics, we have vegetarians. I mean, when you think about all the stuff that we have that we let separate us, oh, you're not like me because you eat meat. So you obviously are a troglodyte. But, <laughs> you know, the stuff that we use to let separate, uh, let us, let, let the things that we use to separate us one from another is when you get together and you start talking and you see that you have more in common than not, you you can't help but chuckle a little bit. You know, you, you eat meat, but you all right. It's, it's just um, the way it goes. And it's so important that we create things. I think one of the things that that uh, our community is doing, and, and thank God for wonderful organizations like Nevada Partners, uh, that could use members of the community to step up and come out and, and be a part of, of various clubs and organizations. Uh, revitalization of a garden is a, is a great way to talk with young and young at heart about issues of nationalism. You know, sometimes we hear terms and we make assumptions about what that means, but, you know, teaching nationalism, you know, civics classes is, is, is out of style. Um, ed, uh, etiquette, and it, it's gone with stuff like etiquette classes and uh, uh, home home ec. I took home ec in, in school, and those are skills that I learned in that classroom that I still use to this day. Uh, I have been able to amaze folks with the fact that I can fold a, a sheet with the, you know, the 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 fitted sheet. Lots of for whatever reason, uh, I I was unaware, but a lot of people have trouble figuring out how to fold a fitted sheet. There's a proper way to do it. And you learn stuff like that in home ec, and it, it might not seem like a lie, but it keeps my linen closet organized, and that's a big deal to me. So, 
you know, if we could use it for stuff like that, we certainly could use it for uh, issues of what is your country about, what it stands for, what it's been through, uh, what can we do to be more vigilant citizens, uh, not just with terrorism, but just how the voting process works, what it means, what's a federal election versus a, 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 a local one. How does this new body of um, political dollars, donating political dollars, there's a whole new system to that that, you know, we need to gather and, and discuss and and get a better understanding of, of how it works. There's more to it than the sound bites on the news. Hmm. Well, when... You know, for folks who may not be sure of what nationalism is, some words that are associated with is patriotic feelings, principles, efforts, um, an actual formal definition is a uh, a strong belief. This is from uh, the reference dictionary online. The strong belief that the interests of a particular nation, state, are of primary importance. Uh, also the belief that a people who share a common language, history, and culture should constitute an independent nation, free of foreign domination. Uh, you could have, from Merriam-Webster, a feeling that people have of being loyal to and proud of their country. And and. That's sort of the definition that, that I was that I was focused on when I came up with the question. Sure. Because are we proud of our country? Do we even consider it our country? Because there are some groups and subgroups who do not consider America to be their country. They see themselves as not having a country. Uh, and some of the reasons for that is they feel like the country doesn't include them. And that's why I said that at the top of the show that racism, I believe, and the perpetuation of racism is a national security issue because it does push some people into feeling like they're not a part of this country. Now, it could be racism. It could be a lack of religious tolerance. You know, it could be many things, but we do know that America's original sin is still its original sin and still its sin. We see that happening all around us. Uh, We see uh, a young woman who was in jail, I believe, and suddenly hung herself. But did she really hang herself right there with the police? we're hearing well, more with a police officer like that we know that we should note that has been fired for racism and brutality from another police department. I saw a news story on that uh, last evening. These are the questions. So I think that you know it's unfortunate that it would take an act against our country to bring 
up this topic of racism being a national security issue. I, I thought it was a national security issue all along because I believe that these things happen. Now, to be clear, the majority of the people that we know of that have been involved in these incidents of radicalization, that at least that I've seen reported, the majority are white or have some type of Middle Eastern background. But we, you know, it's just a matter of time before others who may feel disenfranchised, disaffected, are radicalized as well. We know this is coming. It's been predicted that it was going to come. And was this, and if this was the first act, when will there be another? 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600. We're talking about radicalizing Americans, and shortly we're going to talk about Nevada Partners, uh, Community Gardens, Restoration Project. You know, Angela, as I, as I was with those soldiers Thursday, there's about, well, there's over 10,000 on post. So it's a mm-hmm. large presence. And, of course, it's out in the middle of nowhere. So anybody who comes out to that post, they're coming out there either because they belong there or they got lost, uh, hopefully. But I thought about these men and women who were there in this country doing their job where they come to train in as close to real-world combat as they can get without actually being in real-world combat so that they could be prepared. And I thought about how when we're living in theater and we're inside the wire, how we still have to maintain a certain level of security, a certain heightened sense, because we know that at any time there could be an RPG that comes over the fence. Uh, We know that there's some of the folks that we're training who have been infiltrated, and we never know when one of them is going to turn their weapon against us, and this is why we're inside the fence. So it makes no difference whether you're inside the fence or whether you're outside in the community, in the theater, there's a heightened sense of awareness. Uh, As Dr. Garner would say, our cortisol levels are heightened. Mm -hmm. But he said that there was a danger in having prolonged cortisol levels. So now... You bring those men and women who were serving in the theater who have had to maintain a heightened state of awareness, whether they're inside the wire trying to get something to eat and, and get some rest before going out the next day, or whether they're actually out there in the field, whether they're fighting, going house to house, or they're, they're in the mountains. They have that higher sense of alertness higher sense of awareness. Now they come home to what should be, what should be. They've endured it. And they come home to what should be safety and security. But yet, we know as of Thursday morning, that is definitely not always the case. How will that impact those soldiers, those sailors, those airmen, those Marines, guardsmen, how will this impact them? 347-826-9600, 347-826-9600. Press option one. That will let us know that you want to talk. And I see you out there listening. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, this is a pretty heavy subject. 
And I don't think that this will be the last that we'll be talking about it, nor will it be the last attack that we're that we're going to hear about. I think that this is, you know, Angela, you, you asked, uh, what can we do? I, I, my suggestion, well, I have two immediate suggestions. Is one is we need to attack racism in this country. And that's something we can do at the at at places like the gathering, the community um, garden. You know, we can gather and assemble on our own. We don't need, you know, to put it to. I agree with you. We do need to have a um, a real tough talk, a real, really real talk about race, racism, and what it what it is in America today for real. Because it's it's really dividing us. It's really harming us. Yeah, I I also believe that we have to look at should we teach nationalism in our school? Our children are being bombarded with over two. I believe it's over two hundred pieces of propaganda on social media a day by ISIS. This is what's being broadcast to our children through social media. Are we, are our children sufficiently equipped to be able to turn away from that? Or are we kind of leaving our children, our young people, defenseless by not teaching them the goodness of our country? Now, I'm not talking about a Soviet or a Nazi style of nationalism. What I am talking about the good that this country is. Do we talk enough about that in school? Do we teach our children enough about how our government works so that they can be active participants when they're of age? Or will they just hear the cynicism that maybe too many Americans speak of? There's things, yes, we don't necessarily need big programs. There's things that we can do immediately where we are, but we also need to look at what can we do on a national level, uh, state level, county level, city level, to maybe help stem the tide of Americans feeling less than Americans. 347-826-9600. Three four seven eight two six ninety six hundred. Love for you to chime in. Well, this will probably be an ongoing discussion. Uh, if not, when the next event happens, in discussing how to prevent the next event from happening. So stay tuned here to Our Own Voices Live and Our Own Voices Live on Facebook and Twitter as we continue to deal with our ever-changing world. Well, the other half of our show is Nevada Partners Community Gardens Restoration Project. I had an opportunity to go out there this morning, and I had no idea that there was a community garden behind the Nevada Partners building. And I've been going to Nevada Partners for at least seven years, Right. Basically, every, <laughs> at least once a week. 
And sure enough, when I drove up, I was like, well, let me go to the back. And I drove up, and I saw some cars back there, and there were people with with rakes and and hoes. I'm talking about the farming instrument. And, and uh, pigs back there working in their garden. And Angela, I don't know if you eat okra, but but I eat okra. I prepare my okra fried or baked. I was just going to say, uh, I like it fried. So, yeah, I eat okra. I love sweet okra. okra growing in Las Vegas. Can you believe that? Wow. (laughs) Uh, Okra, tomatoes, squash. Uh, There's some fruit trees back there. That's right. Wow. And they're coming to the point where they're thinking about opening it up so the people from the community can buy uh, plots and where they can grow, you know, their own organic food. And I thought, what a great idea. Hey, I Mm -hmm. I wanted to know how much did it cost because I'm interested in getting money. Sign me up, yeah. (laughs) And there were young people there. There were young people. They were teenagers. They were back there. And, of course, they were actually doing the majority of the work, I may add. There there were some, some more seasoned people there, too, Given direction, <laughs> but I guess that's the natural order of things. That's the order of things, though, right? There, <laughs> but they were—I mean, they were cleaning up brush. If you could see what it looked like and see what it looked like when I left, it was a major difference. And uh, seeing those young people out there was very inspiring. I asked some of the folks. I did an interview. Um, I did a video interview, and I'm uploading it on Facebook as we speak. And I asked them. What did the older people get out of it, especially in association with the younger people? And what did the younger people get out of it who've never been to a farm before and lived in the city all their life? And it was amazing to hear some of the things that they said. Now, Angela, like, what did they say? I'm not a farm girl either. I'm I'm a city girl too. So it's in, well, it, what some, did they say? Some of the things they said. There were some Chi-Town people out there just like you. Chi-Town, China, hey. Yeah, you guys are all over. I just want you to know that. Uh, yes, but, uh, we are. They, I keep trying to tell you guys. We everywhere. It, <laughs> they said that it, you know, it was just different. They said that they had not seen real fruit or real vegetables grow before. They had never wow. done any planting. And then, you know, and, and it's not just cleaning up. It's not just planting. I mean, they get to learn a little history of whatever the uh, plant is. Uh, They get to know what it was like, how it has changed with GMOs. But they also get to taste them and compare it to a GMO-grown fruit. And to a person, they said, wow, it actually tastes different. It tastes better. And I, and I thought that lesson by itself was, was a very big lesson. Well, invaluable. Absolutely. Uh, one of the, you know, few farm things. I, I, I'm from Illinois. I'm Chicago. I'm proud Chicagoan. But as a kid, I would camp in Crown, I would go to camp every summer in Crown Point, Indiana. And in the fall, uh, I went somewhere in Indiana. I don't, I don't re- recall. Uh, but every summer I would go pick apples at the apple orchards. Every every fall, so you know those are. And so we'd pass the cornfields and 
you know, playing them in, during Halloween and things of that nature. Between uh, we would either go to Indiana or to our other neighbor, Wisconsin, and and do things of that nature. Um, but you know, right down in Crown Point in Indiana, I would shear sheep and you know do real farm things for a city girl. But that was for a week or two at camp in the summertime. So that that's the rest of the time I was going to Jewel, Jewel Foods or or Dominic's to to get my me and my family's needs met. Uh, we did, you know, Chicago's a meat town too. So we I would when I got grown and had my own family, we would go to the the meat houses and and buy the uh, the the food. Freshly processed, right there. Well, you know, the, having those young people out there is—it uh, was kind of interesting because we had some ladies come out too, and they had the, you know, they had the shoes on and they had the nails done and everything with the with the dishwasher gloves on. <laughs> <laughs> also from Chi Town, and we kind of chuckled a little bit. But the fact is that they did come out, but they learned very quickly that. No, it's not dishwasher gloves. It's gardening gloves. And there is gardening gloves. And they learn mm-hmm. very quickly why. Uh, why it's different. different. <laughs> but, they, but they jumped right in. And what you saw was you saw men, women, young and old, working together, uh, teaching some basic things, the proper way to rake, the proper way to hold. Um, what, hey, this is actually a weed. This needs to go. But this is a plant. It needs to stay. Uh, this is what type of plant it is. This is, you know, from this one plant, over its lifetime, it can feed X amount of meals. I mean, I don't know if people wow. who are not from the farm understand or ever comprehend just how much food one plant can bear over its lifetime in multiple seasons. I mean, when you think about how many ears of corn do you normally eat? And how many ears of corn is on one stalk of corn that came up from one kernel of corn, a seed? You know, I don't know if people actually have to give that any consideration or when they bite into a tomato. And, you know, the, the, the guts of the tomato, as some people call it, some people call them ovaries. I guess it just depends on what... <laughs> What biology you believe in, but mm-hmm. a tomato being a fruit with with vitamin C that we associate with as a vegetable, when you think about how many tomatoes grow on one plant that came up from one seed, and that when you pull the tomato off, another tomato will grow back. Just very basic things like that. Our children just had not conceptualized before because normally if they want a tomato and it's not in the house, they go to the store. And Go to the local Piggly Wiggly. Absolutely. That's right. Piggly Wiggly, Miss Food Joe. Lion. <laughs> Republic, depending on where you're at in the country. Absolutely. So for the children to get those types of lessons and then to see that look on their face, and then from my own personal experience of growing up on the farm, when you prepare the ground, and there's a little work in preparing the ground. You know, you're getting up all the weeds, you're getting up whatever stumps that might, might be there, right? You're plowing mm-hmm. the ground, you know, you turn the soil over. And you you put your seeds in the soil. And 
you know, we had natural water from the sky that watered our, our garden and watered our field. And so you basically went out there and tended them and made sure there was no bugs and other cre- creatures out there that would interfere with them. Uh, you would make sure that uh, if it got too cold, you might want to put some straw around it to keep it warm because straw actually is a good insulator. And hmm. all of a sudden, out of this dirt, you see this little, tiny, frail sapling push up through the ground. And, Andrew, when I'm talking tiny and frail, it's tiny and frail. But somehow it manages to break through the soil. And then if you continue to nurture it and tend to it, it'll grow into a plant, and eventually it'll make it status into a fruit-bearing or whatever it is type of plant to feed many over and over again. I think when children get a chance to see the cycle of life, it impacts it changes them. them. They get to see how, how fragile it is, and it is fragile. So that's true. That's uh, we had a garden. Absolutely. We had a garden at my house in Chicago. Tomatoes, squash, uh, things of that nature, peppers. And I remember one year when my kids were small, the tomatoes, something happened with the tomatoes. The look on their face. They were very disappointed. And it never happened again. We got a more senior gardener to come in and, and help us a.k.a. Grandma Helen, <laughs> and got it back on track. But, you know, the agony of defeat. You know, we did we turned, We did this. What happened, Mom? It's really something to watch them go through that process. Well, I think that this community gardening project, and it's not the only community garden that we have in Las Vegas, uh, we also have Roslyn Brooks, who has a much larger community garden uh, on seven, at, located at 711 Tonopah, 711 North Tonopah. And it's been there for, wow, several years now. I've been out there. I've witnessed the young people. Uh, they even had a little uh, soup kitchen type thing set up out there because they were it bared more so much uh uh, so many vegetables that they were actually to make different types of soups and healthy. One of the other parts of the event this morning is that they it teaches the children healthy eating, uh, not only about getting the right foods and how to and then how to prepare it so that you maintain a lot of the goodness, the vitality of the food, the nourishment. Uh, many of the children didn't know that well, microwaving is not the best thing for fresh mm-hmm. vegetables and fruit. Uh, right. Maybe you want to steam it, or if there's some fruits and some vegetables that you can eat raw, and this is a good way to prepare it. So there was it was a multifaceted uh, activity this morning, and sure. I hope that the next one that there'll be even more people come out. Uh, Black Girls Inspired came out. The uh, Legacy Project from Legacy High School came out. Uh, Anthony, who said, I'm representing my wife. She told me I need to be out here, and I'm nice. out here with these young people. <laughs> and he was, 
he was bragging about it to a certain extent. You could see you could see the pride in his voice that he was doing this thing that his wife suggested strongly that he do, <laughs> and he was <laughs> out there do. doing it at her strong suggestion. But then the children that he brought with him enjoyed it. So we had the Legacy Project out there. We had a local church out there. We had Curtis Green from from Cats, and he was out there. Uh, had on his farmer farmer John hat and uh, did a nice interview with him. Uh, Dr. Tiffany Tyler from Nevada Partners was out there. And then, of course, from Nevada Partners, we had Jeremy, who has been responsible for the youth uh, activities there, who got youth involved from Nevada Partners. So we had so we had those folks out there. And then they actually had a professional uh, gardener out there to help guide everyone in the process. And he has an interesting story. He actually lived on a farm on a small island in the Mediterranean, which only had one water source, and that's where he learned his, his, uh, the basis of farming techniques. And folks had a chance to, you know, hear his story. So really it was just a beautiful uh, community event, and I hope you all will watch the video so that you can get more information about it because a community garden is something you can do near you. It doesn't make a difference whether you're in a rural environment or whether you're in a city environment. I guarantee you there's at least a vacant lot someplace near your community, one that is just sitting there. Well, that vacant lot, especially if it's owned by the city or the county, if there's no plans for it, that might be a good place to suggest to them a community garden. Maybe they'll donate the land for some nominal fee because now that land will be improved because it will be providing food. One of the other things they're doing with the community garden at Nevada Partners is Culinary Academy is also located there. And then they want to bring organic food onto the menu of the Westside Bistro. That's something that it's not firm yet, but that's something that they're talking about. So, Angela, think about, I know you're into organics and going to Whole Foods. Suppose you could go to the Westside Bistro for our Friday gathering. And go out back and and pull some stuff right out the dirt. Absolutely. And, you know, I would like to hear uh, next Friday I'm going to inquire what, you know, for those of us with arthritis that can't maybe get down on our knees and get in the dirt, what else can we do? Bring some some, uh, supplies, some gloves, some fertilizer, some wheat. You know, I don't know what they're going to be using, but, you know, let we can at least go to the dollar store and get some some uh, dollar gar- gardening gloves, so that they can have some extras there. Some sun hats they're going on sale soon. Some some hats that'll that'll block the sun. Men and women, we got to take care of our skin. Sunscreen, you know. Think about those sort of supplies that you can bring. Uh, calculators. Because math, math is everywhere. Math is involved in everything. You're going to need to calculate some things. Some, some of our minds ain't as swift as they, as they used to be. You know, you need to literally see yourself carry the one. You know, I understand. But it's those type of support things with some shears. Maybe we could bring some shears and, and things of that nature to help and still, you know, feel and, and be a part of the community garden. You're absolutely right. I'd much rather give my money to a, a, a place like Nevada Partners that's going to recirculate the dollars into helping 
members of my community than to go to Whole Foods again with that high price. <laughs> well, I just thought it was Sometimes really, the sticker shock very... in Whole Foods is amazing. <laughs> like, I just got a couple well, I of women. Was, it, was, it was a very simple event with uh, that involved young and not so young people with great story and instruction, uh, seeing the different organizations come out to support it. You know, that, that is community. And a part of yes. it is uh, engaging youth, is connecting, uh, you know, the, the generations, because sometimes there can be a generation gap to be out there working side by side and talking, and also connecting genders. There were men, women out there. There were uh, girls, boys out there just doing the thing. Uh, there was water and snacks, and they were making notes on, okay, when we do the next one, what can we do to improve on it? And I, I love seeing that. I always say no matter how good something is, there's usually room for uh, improvement, or at least you should take an opportunity to look at it. Right. And I, I wanted to have this as the second part of our show, because what growing, gardening is about life. It's about life. It's about appreciating life, cultivating life. And with the loss of those four Marines and now this morning hearing that uh, one, the one sailor has gone on, you know, I felt so heavy that I thought that we should have a little something else. And uh, I thought this would be a, a great uh, topic to end our show with about us coming together as one people, going out, working for a common goal, Nurturing life versus uh, destroying of life as the terrorists did Thursday morning. Absolutely. There's so much um, that we have in common that we can build on. Sometimes we focus a little too much on what we don't share in common. And I'm glad you said that because there's always going to be differences in it, whether we're friends, whether we're we're mates, uh, relatives, coworkers. It doesn't make a difference. We're always going to have our differences. But, see, it's not the differences that we should be focusing on because we don't build off of that. It's on what we have in common. When we focus on what we have in common, oftentimes the other things that separate us, that divide us, those walls of division tend to fall down. I tell people one of the first things that governments do who may have been warring against each other, when they declare peace, one of the first things that they do is they exchange military personnel. And the reason for that is whatever propaganda or whatever thoughts that they had before, let them come and see, yes, we eat similar food. We drink beer. <laughs> yes, uh, some some of our cultural family. similarities, uh, two of the biggest ones is music and food. Uh, that's why you can never have... You know, you could have a, a million years between you of, of discord as nations, but we can all share in the table. 
Y'all eat the same stuff, ultimately. May prepare it differently. But food is a great connector. Uh, Yes, it is. Food is a connection, working together, getting to know one another. Uh, One of the things about the gathering, that's that's what it's here to do, is really to ask, who are you? Where are you from? Uh, What do you like to do? What do you do? Because in those questions, whether it's, oh, wow, you're from Chicago, I'm from Chicago, too. Oh, you went to Hyde Park? I went to Hyde Park, or I lived in Hyde Park, or whatever the case may be. It gives you something to connect with. Uh, I met a lady in the store. I was buying water for the event this morning. Uh, yeah, this morning. And uh, she was a lady that had seen some, you know, plenty of moons, rides. And I asked her if I could pick up the water that she was trying to get and put it in a cart. And from that, a discussion ensued. She was an uh, older woman originally from Oklahoma, and she had relocated here to Las Vegas, loves the weather, and she said she normally didn't buy the bigger containers of water because she wasn't able to lift them up. And lift it, yeah. And I was so thankful that I was there to help her with the water. And then I, I thought, and just because of the business that I'm in, how does how will she look at the next person that looks like me? And if, if she had any ill or negative feelings about folks who look like me, did any of those change because I'm the one who helped her get that water she was struggling with? And it could have been anyone else who did it, just in this case it just happened to be me. Happened to be you, yeah. And those, we can break down these barriers. And we can do it one person at a time, and we can also do it in a much larger operation by possibly considering teaching nationalism in our schools. Because maybe if we teach it, we will start acting it. And if we start acting it, that is the shield that we may need to prevent more of our Americans from being radicalized by folks that only want to do us harm. Well, you all have been listening to another episode of Our Own Voices Live. Our Own Voices Live comes to you every Saturday at 12.30 p.m. on the West Coast. 3.30 out east. And our topic today has been Radicalizing Americans and Nevada Partners Community Gardens Restoration Project. We went from death to life in loss of life, of life that was taken, a four Marine, one sailor, and then we moved on to really creating life and nurturing life, and then that life that we nurtured going on to nurture other lives. In Nevada Partners Community Gardens Restoration Project, it was a way that showed community working together didn't make any difference. No one asked what. There was no religion check to get in. There was no political party affiliation to get in. There was no No economic status to get in. It was simply people coming together for a common goal. It was 
refreshing and something I needed to see after the week that we've had. So hopefully you all have gotten something out of the show. You can continue the discussion, or if you weren't a part of it, you can establish a discussion with a question or comment at Our Own Voices uh, live on Facebook and Our Own Voices on Twitter. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you so much for listening to us. I hope that you will consider, should we teach nationalism in our schools? Why and why not? And share that. Go to Our Own Voices Live on Facebook and share that with us. Well, Angela, there's another show in the can, so to speak. True, true. Thank you for another, um, you know, fun-filled, informative opportunity to chat with you listeners. Uh, We always appreciate it. Uh, If you missed it, don't worry. You can go into our archive and listen to today's and and, uh, many other um, past broadcasts. Um, We're going to, in the future, start, you know, recirculating some of our previously broadcast shows because we've done so many, we've we've extracted so much wonderful information from guests that have graced this platform, and we want to continue to share that information and and share um, what they've shared with us, you know, continue to share with you guys, so, you know, if you don't listen to today's, check out some of our previous shows. They're a lot of fun, a lot of information, and we love doing this. So thank you for joining us this week and every week, and we'll see you next week. Well, we won't see you, but you know, we'll be together next week. <laughs> all right, everyone. Thank you so much, Angela, and uh, to all our listeners, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you out there. Once again, you can go to Our Own Voices Live on Facebook and leave a question or comment. You can go to Our Own Voices on Twitter. We'd love to see comments. And we're also on Our Own Voices on Google+. Plus. So we're trying to make ourselves available to you in multiple media formats so that you can reach us and in turn we can correspond with you. We'll be back next week. Uh, unless the, as long as the, what is the saying? As long as the creek don't rise, well, we'll be back. God willing and the creek don't rise, we'll be back next Saturday. You know, bad knees and all. We'll be here. So thank you all for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.